What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. This is Ben Curtis, one of the pastors here at New Vision. And as we continue our storied podcast, today we'll be looking at Mark chapter 2, verse 23, down through chapter 3, verse 6. So let me read our passage, and then I'm going to try to help us draw out some implications or some takeaways. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible to read this. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with a shriveled hand, Stand before us. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. So today we have two stories uh, in two different locations. First, Jesus and his disciples walking through the grain fields. Then we have Jesus in the synagogue. But both of these stories have something in common. They're both taking place on the Sabbath. So two places, two stories, but then there's really one major point or question. And the question is this, how do we find true rest as humans? How how do we find true rest as God's people, as followers of Jesus? So I'm going to just kind of walk us through these verses, and I want to give you just three uh, things that I was reminded of, three takeaways, if you will. Uh, And the first one is I was reading verses 23 through 27. It just reminded me that I need to delight in the commands of God. Um, Verse 23, the disciples are picking grain. And and so what's happening, the Pharisees are mad, not because they're picking grain, not because they're picking grain in someone's field. Uh, That was actually legal, but they were doing it on the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Um, I think we need a little bit of context to help us understand why they were so riled up about this. Um, it comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word Shabbat. Um, so Shabbat or the Sabbath was the seventh day of the Jewish week. And, and it was just really a way of life for the Jewish people. It was this reminder built into the rhythm of their lives that God was the God of salvation. God was the God of creation. And uh, so let me just give you five really quick facts. I'm going to do this really fast, okay? So number one, the Sabbath is grounded in God. So in Genesis, we see God, he created six days, then he rested. So it's, it's grounded in God. But then secondly, you need to understand the Sabbath is commanded in the Bible. So in Exodus, the Ten Commandments, it's actually the fourth commandment. And by the way, the longest commandment uh, of all the ten, okay? So grounded in God, commanded in the Bible. 
And then this is really important to understand. The Sabbath is intended for our good. It wants, it, we're supposed to see that the point of the Sabbath is that life is more than work. I mean, by resting once a week, we remember that we are not God. So grounded in God, commanded in the Bible, intended for our good. And then the Sabbath was debated, and it's still debated. The scribes were, were super focused uh, on not breaking the Sabbath, okay? And so, you know, the Bible says, honor God, keep the Sabbath, don't work. Okay, I get all that. But what exactly constitutes work? And this is where it gets kind of tricky. So the rabbis, the Jews, uh, also came up with the Mishnah. And, and so the Mishnah is not Scripture. It's more of a commentary on Scripture. And they came up with 39 categories of work that should be avoided. And guess what? Picking grain was the third one. So, uh, so that's the Sabbath was debated. It's still debated. And then the fifth quick fact that I want you to see is the Sabbath is fulfilled completely and totally in Jesus. Remember, the law shows us uh, God's holiness. It, it reveals our lack of holiness. The law is there to show us our sinfulness, and ultimately it drives us to the cross. And, and at the cross, we see Jesus actually fulfilled the law. So for us as Christians, uh, he is our Sabbath rest. He fulfilled the law. He took the penalty for breaking the law in our place. Uh, he took that punishment for us, and he fulfilled it, and he is our Sabbath rest. So I think that is a very important thing to keep in mind, and as long as we keep that in mind, I'm going to go on to say that the Sabbath principle is still a very important thing. It's important for us to build into our lives this rhythm of work and rest. The Sabbath was intended to be a good thing, but the Pharisees had, had made it into this burdensome command. And so Jesus pushes back by saying, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around, not man for the Sabbath. He, he says it's a gift. It, it's not a God. And so I was just reminded in these first verses, we're, we're to delight in God's word. And, and it's not a way of us you know, trying to make ourselves right with God, but because we have been made right with God. One thing I think we can all agree on, Pharisees, the disciples, you and me, uh, life in a fallen world uh, can just be exhausting sometimes. And, and there's, a, there's a tiredness that we sometimes feel even when we're fully rested. So where, where do we go to find that true rest for our soul and for our heart? And Jesus says in verse 28 that true rest is found in him, in, in me, he says. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so the second thing I was reminded of as I read this, um, I need to find true rest in Jesus, okay? So I need to delight in God's Word and God's commands, but I need to also find true rest in Jesus. In the Old Testament, the people of God, if you think about their history, they're in slavery in Egypt, and then God swoops in and rescues them, and then they have all these wars and battles until finally... They're in the land God had promised, and God gives them rest on all sides in the promised land. And then you fast forward to the New Testament, and, and what we see, this idea of rest, um, it's carried over. Jesus gives us rest from our bondage and from our slavery to sin through his death on the cross, through his resurrection. So Jesus says he is the creator of the Sabbath. He's the fulfiller of the Sabbath. Uh, and, and what is he doing right now? Is, is he pacing heaven, uh, wringing his hands? No, he's seated at the right hand of God. And so Jesus, creator of the Sabbath, the fulfiller of the Sabbath, but he's also the giver of Sabbath rest. 
In fact, if you go over to Matthew's parallel account to this story, do you know what comes right before this story in Matthew's gospel? It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus invites us to come to him for this Sabbath rest. I love this quote by Tim Keller. Tim Keller said, Some of us are weary even when we rest. Some of us are rested even when we're exerting ourselves. Why is this? Because there's a work underneath our work that we really need to rest from. It's the work of self-justification. It's the work that leads us to take refuge in religion or in idols. And so let me ask you, are you experiencing true rest that can only be known through a relationship to Jesus? And how do we come to know Jesus? How do we come to find that true rest? Well, we turn to Him in faith. We, we turn away from the things that we're trusting in, our idols. We turn away from sin, and we turn to Jesus decisively. If you've already done that, you're a believer, let me, let me just ask you a question. Let me speak to you. Listen, you know, I was thinking about this. There's nothing wrong with vacations, and there's nothing wrong with a day off, but you, know, you can look to time off or a vacation to deliver you and, and give you the rest that can only come from Jesus. And I'm going to say this. I've learned that the hard way, that that doesn't work. Even, even when I'm working, I can be resting in Jesus. And when I need a break, you know what? I should lift that up to Him. Breaks with Jesus are better than breaks without Him. So if you're just exhausted and you're tired, I want to ask a question. Have you prayed about it? I mean, you probably do need a vacation. And if you're not getting a day off, you definitely need a day off. But but if you're tired, have you just looked to God? Have you said, God, would you give me rest? I need rest. I need physical rest. But God, I need a deeper rest. Would you give me the deeper rest of my heart and my soul in Christ? Okay, so, so that's the second thing. Uh, I need to ultimately find true rest in Jesus. I need to delight in the commands of God. But then the third takeaway, we're going to close with this. I need to confront my heart idols with the gospel. And so chapter three moves from head to heart and it goes from theory and law to people with real problems. And I love it. I mean, there's this guy who has a withered hand and Luke tells us it's his right hand. So he, he couldn't work. He couldn't provide for his family. The Pharisees are watching to see if Jesus is going to do something good for somebody on the Sabbath. Maybe they even put him there. Maybe they staged all this. We don't know. But Jesus actually calls the guy to come and stand up in front of everyone. And then he asks that question, is it lawful to do what's good on the Sabbath or to do evil? Or is it lawful to save life or to kill? But they were all silent. And verse 5 says, after looking around them at, uh, around at them with anger. So, so the heart of a Pharisee would rather justify self than heal the hurting. And that angers Jesus to the core. It even says he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. So Jesus got angry because God's glory was being threatened. But then it's interesting, the Pharisees then got angry when their idol was threatened. So when a good thing becomes a God thing, when there's something other than Jesus that you have to have, that's an idol. You look at your daydreams, look at your biggest fears. What are you what are you using to try to like justify yourself in the sight of God? You you feed my idol and I'll be your best friend, but you threaten my idol and I'll watch you drown. 
So the Pharisees' conclusion, this guy needs to die. So he's threatening their idol. And we're, we're looking at this and we're saying, over that? I mean, he needs to die over some guy's hand being healed on the Sabbath? But that's exactly how angry they were because he was a threat to them. You know, have you ever played the game uh, Jenga? Uh, Jenga you know, is the game where you interlock all these blocks and then you take them out piece by piece and then whoever it falls on, they're the loser. And, you know, it takes forever to set this game up. And, and I found out it's fun to play with an adult, uh, but not so much with a two-year-old who wants to, like, pull two pieces from the bottom on their first turn. Well, here's what's happening. The Pharisees, they've built their happiness, their identity, their, their righteousness on this key block of moralism. You keep your, our rules and you're in. You reject our rules and you're out. So when you encounter and you put your trust in the true Jesus and the true gospel, here's what's going to happen. It's either going to anger you to the core or you're going to respond in glad worship and you're going to follow him. Back to our Jenga illustration, if you follow Jesus, the whole tower that you've constructed, it has to come down and you have to build your life on him. It's in him that we learn to delight in the commands of God and it's in him that we find true rest for our soul. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.